What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all, as always, uh, back with another podcast. Today, if you haven't had two actually come out yesterday, uh, previewing, uh, excuse me, recapping the college lacrosse weekend, and then another one uh, talking about Rob Pennell's uh, decision to come to the PLL. Um, Excuse me. Have some more PLL news at the end of this podcast as well. Um, but as I mentioned on, on yesterday's podcast, this is more of a NLL podcast. Um, as Monday, uh, did a entirely college lacrosse podcast just due to the sheer number of the sheer amount of craziness that we saw, especially with some of those rivalry games over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the NLL also had eight games, so that takes a lot of time. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not going to talk about all eight games because, <clears throat> honestly, there's some that just are not really worth talking about, I guess you could say. Um, but I'm going to start here. So <clears throat> I'll start with Philadelphia. Um they go one and one on the weekend. They lose to New England on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. And then they defeat Georgia down in Duluth, um the Atlanta area or whatever you want to call it, um, on Sunday night. Um <clears throat> the Philly Philadelphia in that loss against New England, um, you know, Matt Lambeau had a good game. Trevor Baptiste had eight loose balls. Kevin Crowley had three assists in there. Uh, but, you know, overall, when you look at um, the save, the saves here, you had Doug Jamison with 44 saves on the day. Um, you had Zach Higgins with 39 uh, Doug Jamison really kept New England in the game there uh, for for a good portion of the time, and New England really, <clears throat> excuse me, um, just popped off kind of in the in the in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, after the third, Philadelphia is up six. Oh, they tied it at six at the end of the third, and uh, the Black Wolves they pop off for three. In the end, uh, and to New, uh, Philadelphia's one, uh, to get the nine to seven win. And then Georgia, the, this is the second game this weekend that I'm going to talk about that it, it was a similar situation. So <clears throat> Philadelphia got really down. Um, believe it was, uh, it was five nothing at the end of the first. I believe it was seven, uh, to one or, or something of that nature, or six to one. Um, at one point in the in the second, and the wings just went on an absolute tail. Blaze Reardon, uh, one of his best games that he has had. Five goals in this one. Kevin Crowley, seven assists. Um, Philadelphia's, uh, excuse me, Georgia. <clears throat> they were coming off a game um, where literally the complete opposite happened to them, as they were down. It was a defensive battle. In New York the night before, uh, they were down, I believe it was, what, 2-3, something of that nature, at half. Um, they were down 2 nothing 
at the end of the first, first time, first time that the Swarm have been held scoreless in a quarter. Um, and the Swarm popped off in the second half uh, for when they got their ball movement going really, really, really nice, as they always do. Randy starts while Thompson, all them dudes chipping in. Um, <clears throat> and they did that early on in this game against Philadelphia, but the Wings came back and had a, a very, very impressive win. Uh, Blaze Rudin, probably his best, his absolute best game uh, of his career um, in, in the indoor in the box game. Uh, Zach Higgins with 43 saves on the day. He was fantastic as he continues to shine uh, this NLL season. <clears throat> San Diego, or I'll talk, let's talk about Rochester here. So Rochester, they lose to San Diego um, 19-6 on Saturday. Was never really much of a contest. Um, San Diego goes on a run. They do their thing as as, as expected. Um, <clears throat> believe pulled the stats here for that one. Um, Casey Jackson, five goals. Westberg, six assists. Mark Gossini played very well. I was happy to see him playing good in this one. Siliano uh, only had 25 saves, but when you look at like, the shot totals from, uh, from the Nighthawks, you know, he did not need to make that many. Um, and also they put in uh, Nick DeMood uh, late in the fourth quarter as well. But if you play the last eight minutes of the game, <clears throat> Rochester still uh, using this two-way system. They played. They started Hartley. Uh, yeah, they started Hartley, and they put Craig Wendy in in the second half. Uh, Hartley played uh, early on in the third, and they pulled him for Craig Wendy. Um just dominant performance from San Diego um, against the Nighthawks, which I don't really think anyone expected anything anything um, less than that, given Rochester's situation um, and their record right now. <clears throat> but then Rochester comes out on Sunday, Sunday night game in Colorado, and they absolutely flipped the switch. Rochester was playing out of their mind. It's the some of the best lacrosse I've seen them play. It, it is the best lacrosse that Rochester has played since they beat Calgary. It is the best lacrosse they've played since they beat Calgary uh, to get that first win in franchise history. Or at least in this new franchise history of the Nighthawks. Absolutely dominant performance from the Nighthawks. But they still got the loss. <clears throat> they started off 6-1. They got up 6-1 into the first. Um, I believe they were up. And then, um, what was it? 7-3 to, to at the half. Uh, I believe they were up 7-1 at, at, at one point as well in this one. Um, early in the second. Tony Evans. Three goals for um for Rochester. Um Curtis Knight played well. He had six assists. 
Violin Reeves, I thought, played fantastic. Steve Fryer. Steve Fryer played some excellent, excellent lacrosse and cage from him. Um, excellent day in cage from him. But in the third quarter, and you know, I mentioned they get up seven, seven to three at the half. But in the third, um, Colorado, who was led by, led by Ryan Lee. If you have not seen it, he had probably what I would call the goal of the year. Um, go check that. Just look up Ryan Lee um, on Twitter, and you'll probably find it. Goal of the year, no question about it. <clears throat> kind of cat. I believe it, it was hard to tell in the broadcast. But I believe he caught the ball midair and just kind of put it, put it right past, um, put it right past Fryer. Um, Chris Wardle with four assists, just dominating performance from Colorado all around in that third quarter, which helped elevate them to victory. They win ten to eight, and there was a point in time where, you know, okay, Rochester might get back into things here. Um, and you thought they were going to, but once Colorado got into the groove, they never looked back. The Mammoth just kind of sprinted out to victory. Uh, really, that third quarter was very crucial for them. And I mentioned in the fourth, you know, it did look like Rochester, they had some opportunities, um, had some missed opportunities and things of that nature, but ultimately, Colorado getting the win here in this one. Last couple games I do want to mention here. Um, I'm not going to go over them completely uh, just with how they went down. But um, <clears throat> Calgary 13, Toronto 10. I was not able to watch that one. Um, I haven't really caught up on it. Uh, Saskatchewan 17, Vancouver 7. Dominating performance from the Rush, uh, as you would expect. Um, Halifax 11, Buffalo 9. This one was a good one. Um, Halifax coming back again. You know, I feel like every, they had a four goal run, uh, four goals in the fourth period to get this victory here. Uh, Warren Hill played fantastic. 46 saves in, in that, um, Matt Vince 43 for Buffalo. Uh, both goaltenders playing well. Cody Jamison's got three. Man, Cody Jamison, absolutely outstanding here for for, uh, for Halifax. Three goals, five assists in the victory. Um, Halifax goes on a run late in the game. They went on a couple small runs earlier in the game as well. <clears throat> but Halifax was really able to get past Buffalo in this one. And uh, I believe this season series now, um, I, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I do believe that Halifax, with that one, because I know they lost to Buffalo once, so they beat Buffalo in their first meeting. They lost to them in the second meeting back in February. On the 29th, and that was two weeks ago, they beat them <clears throat> in this third game last week. They beat them in this third game. So Halifax wins the season series, and that is a humongous win for the Thunderbirds. They're now sitting as the number one team in the North Division, 
with an 8-4 and four record. No team yet has clinched the playoffs. Um, I know we've seen some playoff picture stuff already. I don't necessarily like to, especially in the NLL, the way things are going this year, I don't necessarily like to look at things like that. Um, just because I know how quickly, how fast things can change. <clears throat> but I believe uh, after the weekend, I believe, I know Georgia was kind of teetering on the um, end side of like in or out um, for the past couple weeks. So, you know, that those last two seeds, um, I believe they are now, they're number one in the East after, um, even after losing to Philadelphia, they beat New York, um, and they are that number one team in the East right now. I do believe. Um, I do believe. Um, actually, no, they are number two in the East. They solidified that number two spot in the East with that win over New York. New England is number one with an eight and three <clears throat> record. Now, believe. Saskatchewan and Halifax are the two teams that have been kind of uh, battling, not battling, but have been at the top of the, uh, each week when the NLL puts out that, you know, if the playoffs started now type thing, I believe those two teams um, are still at the top of that discussion for a number one seed in the playoffs. And remember, guys, we have the divisions this year, um, and I believe the top. I know the top team in each division goes. Um, I don't recall if the number. I believe it's the top two seeds in each division because they have they have eight spots. So I believe it's the top two teams, and then they have eight spots. So three divisions. That's six. So I believe it's to the top two teams in each division. And then the next two teams, like overall, is I believe how they are doing it um, this year with the three divisions, uh, which does make make things a bit different just because you have an odd number of divisions. Uh, but hopefully, you know, sometime soon, we will have four divisions <clears throat> in the National Lacrosse League. Um, and... Um, Hopefully more teams out west. And uh, we heard Nick Sakevich on Saturday at that Halifax game on the BR Live broadcast uh, mention that the league is very, very close to announcing their 14th franchise, uh, which, you know, I've, I've heard some things of where it could be. I know they have a trademark filed for Fort Worth, uh, which is in... If you don't know, Dallas, Fort Worth um, is the metro area that they call that. So uh, it would be in the Dallas area, which, you know, there has been discussions of bringing an NLL team there in the past. Those discussion, discussions uh, did not <clears throat> follow through in the past. So we'll see if things uh, do happen here in Dallas or uh, more specifically, Fort Worth um, this time around. Also, you know, and and I I, I think I think getting more teams in the southern part of the United States is something 
that's really good. I know that Dallas Box Across League um, has done some good things in terms of growing Box Across in Dallas um, and, and the, really all of Texas. Uh, so I do think that's a, I think it's a, it's a good market. It's been shown to be a market that lacrosse can succeed in in the field game. So, you know what? Why not try it in the box game as well? Um, I, you know, I you also remember they went to Vegas this year. So we'll see if that turns into an expansion franchise. Um, if, if you, uh, follow the NBA and remember they held the all-star game in Oklahoma City before moving the Seattle Supersonics to the Oklahoma City and thus becoming the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, so the NBA has done a similar thing in there where they hold a big event in a city, test out, test the waters, um, see, you know, how, you know, what can we do here? Uh, they've also held preseason games in places uh, like where I am here in Louisville, Kentucky, as we're trying to get an NBA team to come here. Um, They've also held preseason games uh, in other places as well. Um, Seattle, which used to have a team um, as well. So, you know, following a similar model there, uh, would, would that would certainly be following a similar model if the NLL was to put an expansion team in Vegas. And I don't know if one game like that is a um, direct marker of success, but I do think... I think maybe, and maybe I'm being a little too cautious here because I do know it's Vegas and people are going to go to stuff, you know what I mean? Um, and the Golden Knights have done well. Um, and, but So I do think that you, this might not be as big of an issue in Vegas, but I, if it was in any other city, I would probably want them to hold a game there and then maybe hold a game, maybe hold more than just one game there to see how how things stick, how this first one do, did we get it right, is this the right market, are these people going to consistently come back to games, or is this just a one-and-done type of thing? Uh, that's the one thing I would say to kind of using that model of, let's hold an event here, if it's good, we'll put an expansion franchise, and it's not as simple as that, you have to have the right, you know, Nick Sakevich talks about this all the time, you have to have the right ownership, you have to have know, uh, right general manager and, and president and CEO, all those people uh, in place to be successful. And he talked about it on the Halifax Thunderbirds broadcast and how successful the Halifax Thunderbirds have been in U1 since moving to uh, Halifax from Rochester. All right, guys. Now to end this, um mentioned do have some PLL news to talk about as the league has... Um, you know, they announced Rob Pennell yesterday, and now the league today has announced the list of entry draft guys. Um, 16 players coming over from, I believe 16, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Yeah, 16 guys coming over <clears throat> from the MLL. A couple guys coming out of retirement, like Josh Hawkins, um, into the PLL this summer, they'll be picked up in the entry draft, which will be on March 16th. Um, read off the names here. So, Jesse Bernhardt, uh, Craig Chick, TJ Camizio, Zach Currier, Eli Gobrecht, Josh Hawkins, uh, 
Brendan Kavanaugh, Christian Mazzone, Danny Moss, Jason Noble, Rob Pennell, Greg um, Puskajunin. I I do not know how to pronounce that name. Never have. Never will. Um, Rylan Lees, Finn Sullivan, Dylan Ward, and Zed Williams. A couple big names here, obviously. Um, Rob Pennell being the biggest. Um, Dylan Ward, obviously, one of the, if not the best goalie in the world. I mean, he is one of the best in the field game and the box game, which is probably the most difficult thing to do in lacrosse just because of the different skill sets of the goalies in both in, in the various disciplines. A uh, couple guys <clears throat> else I want to mention here. Um, they're coming over. Um, TJ Camizio, I think I've mentioned him on this podcast before, as a guy that I think can really flourish with the PLL rules um, as a short-stick defensive midfielder with the 10 yards taken out of the middle of the field. Um, Zed Williams, you know, I, I've been a Zed Williams fan since he was at Virginia. I believe he's the New York high school <laughs> uh, national leader among high school players and, and goals or points, uh, something of that, that nature. Um, is, I, I don't think that record will ever be, well, I don't think that record will ever be broken because of how high it is. Um, it's like the John Tavares record, like, you don't think that's ever going to be broken, but heck, if Sean Evans just plays five more years at this pace, he, he can get to it. Like, honestly, just go look up the stats if you can find them. Um, and that's a whole other issue. Uh, but uh, I digress. And uh, <clears throat> some other guys here mentioned, you know, obviously Rob Pennell is the biggest name here. Um, Christian Mazzone, love his game. Uh, Zach Collier, obviously a big name in here. Uh, Collier, you know, one of the better box and field players um, of his time right now. Violent Lees, a similar situation there, uh, although he's an LSM and well, LSM slash defenseman in the field game. Uh, I, I I can see his like like watching his field game. I'm just kind of envisioning it right now. I can see how he would fit pretty well in the rules. I think there's a lot of guys that kind of get these transition opportunities that with the ten yards taken out of the middle of the field in the PLL, I think it really helps. I think not that they're any not that they're not good in the other rules or that they can't be good in the other rules. I just think maybe the those those midfield guys Maybe they pop out to um, the casual fan more than they do. So someone like me that lives, breathes, eats, and sleeps lacrosse. Josh Hawkins um, coming out of retirement, essentially. I I really don't know kind of what kind of physical shape he's in. I know he uh, was on LSN for a number of years when they first launched that that thing. Um, so we'll see how what happens with him. I that that's kind of the only surprise on this list. I think we knew many others. Uh, Finn Sullivan, 
one of the best. I he <clears throat> he's one of the best defensemen in the world, and like there's something about his his demeanor. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just think of like it's he's like a, he's graceful on the field. Yeah, he plays gracefully. It's 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 a very weird thing to say, but that's just kind of his demeanor on the field. And like, don't get me wrong, he's a great defenseman. And he's gonna put you in the dirt if he can. But his like technicality, it just seems so graceful. I don't know why. That's the word that pops in my head when I think of his game. Uh Jesse Bernhardt, um obviously his uh brother uh Jared <clears throat> playing at um Maryland right now, and uh, Jake in the PLL already, so he is coming over to join his brother. Um, Jared Bonehart will actually be playing, was in the transfer portal, uh, to try and play a fifth year of college football next year, Um, and I would expect him to get picked up in the PLL collegiate draft as well. Brendan Cavanaugh. A uh, guy that played well at Notre Dame, um, <clears throat> believe yeah, Notre Dame was with the Denver Outlaws for a number of years. Um, obviously, member of the Cavanaugh family. Uh, there's another one at Notre Dame right now too, Pat Cavanaugh. That's the one at Notre Dame. That kid's gonna be really good as well. Um, Clug Chick, no, I he really came on the radar. Uh, for a lot of national people uh, during his time at Lehigh. Um believe he uh, de-sticked Pat Spencer once. And uh, everybody went crazy because you don't, you don't de-stick Pat Spencer. That's just not something, that's not normal. <laughs> um, he, he's a great defenseman. He's a great defenseman. Uh, He's a great LSM. Like I think, I think he's another one of those guys that is kind of a flex guy. Um, you know, like like I think the guys like like you could you know, you know a, a, a Taysom Hill, um, a Darren Sproles, those kinds of guys that you know, small running back, a uh, big slot receiver, you know, whatever you want to you want to label them as, that can are really kind of flex guys in football. I think of kind of the midfield in the PLL with these LSMs and short states defensive midfielders as a lot of those kinds of guys, a lot of flex guys that can do a lot of different things. I think uh, Craig Chick is more of a defensive-minded player, obviously, um, and he's one of the best defensemen uh, that, that I've seen, in, in, especially in the college game over the past couple seasons. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how his game translates over there as well. So 16 guys will be in the uh, PLL entry draft on March 16th. I believe the collegiate draft is April 21st, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe April 12th. One, one of those with a one and a two. Um, but should be an exciting next few weeks uh, to see where these guys land. Um, I you know, wonder, I think I mentioned this yesterday, will there be any trades uh, with the entry draft? Um, I, don't, I don't know um, if they can trade an entry draft spot, but um, I, I do expect Rob Pinnell to be picked number one. Um, and it wouldn't shock me 
if Dylan Ward goes number two to uh, <clears throat> to Chrome because look, John Galloway. Um, I know you know Coach Suzanne told me he's in the best shape of his life, but he's you know he might be on the back end of his career. Brett Queener, same thing, um, and neither of them really cohesively fit with that defense last season. And I know there's been a lot of changes and things of that nature. Uh, so we'll see. They, I think they will either get a defenseman or a uh, a goalie in Dylan Ward with that second pick. Um, obviously, Water Dogs expected to pick up Rob Pennell. So um, if you thought any teams last year were tanking for Pennell, like teams are tanking for Teat in the NLL, um, you're sadly mistaken. Um, it was not going to be allowed to happen. So, Chrome did not tank for Rob Pennell. No way. Um, guys, that's uh, how I'm going to end it on talking about tanking. Yes. Um, that's all I got for today, guys. Um, as always, check us out, lacrossebucket.com on social media, at lacrossebucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, my personal tan- at Tanner underscore Dimling. <coughs> Excuse me. lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.